Hey guys, y'all doing good? It's Christmas, Merry Christmas. All right, that's more like it. I was starting to think I sucked up here. Um, terrible, great. Hey guys, thank you guys so much again for coming out on Christmas Eve service. Uh, we are excited that you guys are here. We're thrilled that you guys are here. Uh, we work hard all year round. And really there's two major events in church, uh, in like church culture. Like there's a Super Bowl and there's like the Pro Bowl. All right, so like I don't know which one is which, but Easter and Christmas have like similarities. You know, we have Easter, which is probably the Super Bowl of all Christmas, uh, all Christian, you know, church culture where everyone comes on Easter. And then we have like, uh, you know, Christmas, which could probably also be the Super Bowl of church culture, which is where everyone comes and everyone gathers. And you see all the CEO Christians. Uh, those of you who don't know what a CEO Christian is, it's uh, Christmas and Easter only Christians. So those of you who only go to church on Christmas and Easter, you guys are CEO Christians. Congratulations. Give yourself a round of applause. All right. So and in behalf of the leadership team here at Impact City Church and of just on all of us as well, me and my family, uh, thank you guys so much for coming out tonight. It is important for us to just take time out of our day, take time out of our busy schedule. I know we have families and places we got to go to or run to, uh, but just important for us to take time to worship the King and to remember the reason why we're here. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. If you're a guest with us here, you don't have a Bible. If you've been coming here, you don't have a Bible. You know, we have Bibles in the back. Just, you know, raise your hand. David will bring you one. Um, I hope you guys got a worship folder when you came in. There's a connection card in there as well. Um, go ahead and fill that out. Drop it in the offering basket on the way out as well. So, we'll... We're going to be continuing. This feels weird, by the way. This mic. I just, I'm used to this thing. We're going to be continuing our series called God is Now Here. And we're going to be talking about the name that inspired the whole name of the series of God is Now Here. That name is the name of Jesus, which is Emmanuel. You see it on the banner in the back, Emmanuel. The last four weeks we've been looking at Isaiah 9-6. And the prophecy of Isaiah said this, that, that to us there will be given a king, and you shall call him all these different names. And these names are names like Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God and Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And we learned that Wonderful Counselor basically meant um, incomprehensible wise king. That when Jesus was going to come, he was going to be an incomprehensible king. That he was going to blow our minds. That the word wonderful counselor, wonderful meant incomprehensible. Just wise. And in, in, the, in the ancient Hebrew, it meant to blow your mind away, man. Just craziness. That this king would be that strong and that powerful and that, that amazing. That he would do things that we wouldn't even understand. He was going to be our counselor, and the word counselor meant like the King Solomon, a wise king, that he was going to be a king that not only was powerful but was wise. Then we learned about the word mighty God and how he was also going to be called mighty God, which meant that, that Jesus, no, he's not just the God that we see holding the lamb and with, with the rosy red cheeks, but he's also the, the Jesus, the Savior, who has come like in revelation with the, the blood-drenched robe, and he's ready to fight. He's a warrior. He's a mighty God, and because he is a mighty God, not that we should be afraid of him, but that we should have faith in him and, and trust in him and feel safe with him because he is on our side. You get that? Like, he is the mighty God. He is like having the best quarterback on your team. Number one, he is the everlasting father. 
which means that from today and tomorrow, he is both omnipotent, omnipresent, and omnisense. He is above everything else, that he is around the world, in your hearts, and outside of time. He is everywhere, he is everlasting, he is today, tomorrow, and yesterday, he is all over the place. And because he is everlasting father, he never changes. And so the promises that we read throughout scripture, we can still hold on to those promises, and we can trust in those promises. And he is the father of our eternity, because he is everlasting, he holds the keys to eternity. And only he can offer eternity to us. He is our father. And we talked last week about prince of peace. And how that word peace, we sometimes get confused with happiness. We think, oh, we're happy, we're at peace. But that word peace doesn't mean that. That word peace means a restorated relationship with God. And that Jesus, when he came back to earth, when he came to earth and he died on the cross and he rose again, he restored our peace with God. He is the prince of of peace. And today, we're going to look at another name for Jesus called Emmanuel. Those names say a lot about the character of Jesus and his purpose, and because of him, we know that God is now here. That God is now here. Not that, that, that he is somewhere else, but he is now here with us. Now, many of you guys will look at the sign out front, you look at the, the Facebook ads, or you look at this, and you say, hmm, hmm. God is nowhere. What type of church is that? That they would write God is nowhere in the season of Christmas. But you see, we did that on purpose. We, we saw it. We thought, man, how, how cool is that? You know, we, we like to raise eyebrows everywhere we go. But, like, how cool is that? God is, no, is, is now here. It also looks like God is nowhere. Because some of us will think in our lives, if we're honest with each other, we feel like God is nowhere. And we'll look around our lives, and we feel like God is literally nowhere to be seen in our lives. We look around, we see other things. We see our families. This Christmas, you're going to see a lot of your family probably. And some of you guys, that's a bad thing. But some of you guys are excited about that. You haven't seen your, your aunts, your uncles. You haven't seen them in a while. You're going to see our families. You're going to look around. We're going to see our jobs. You look around your, your, your life. You're going to see work. And just, you know, I, I work a lot. You know, I know a lot of us men here, we work a lot. We're hardworking guys. And we see our jobs. Sometimes that's all we see is just our jobs. Um, our responsibilities as fathers, as husbands, as responsibilities at work, whether you're a manager, a foreman, whether you're just a guy sweeping the floor, you have a responsibility. And sometimes that responsibility overwhelms you. And that's all you see. Sometimes we see our struggles whether we're struggling with any type of um, lust, pride, anger, whatever it is in your heart that you're struggling with, that's all you see. It overwhelms you. We see our addictions. We see our, our friends. Sometimes we're so obsessed with the people we're around, we forget who we are. And we, we're so obsessed with being the image of who we want to be versus being who God has made us to be. And all we see is our friends. Uh, we get obsessed with the problems of the world, and sometimes all we can think about is what's going on in New York City right now. All you can think about is what's going on with North Korea, with ISIS, and whatever. That's all you can think about because you fill your mind up with the problems of the world. Sometimes we look around Corpus Christi and we look at the murders and the crimes and the drug deals gone bad just right down the street. We look at all those things and we can get so captivated by what's around us that we think that God is nowhere. That we look at the sign and, and we say, that is literally what I see. I don't see God at all. God is nowhere. But not God. He is here. See, many of us feel like because of our sin and because of what we do, because of our wickedness and our dirtiness, that we feel like God is nowhere in our lives. And we feel like because of our problems and issues, that God can't be around us. 
We feel like because of our addictions and our temptations, the struggles that we have as both men and women, the struggles to lie, the struggles to lust, the struggles to, to go and, and, and just be tempted, those struggles and temptations cause God not to be around us because we're sinful and we're wicked. We think about the anger and attitude we have towards people when you're mad at someone and you just want just to back a truck up on them. That is when, you know, in case some of you guys know what I'm talking about, when you feel that angry towards someone, and you feel like God is nowhere and he doesn't need to be around you because you're too angry. Because how can a loving God want to be around you that's so angry? How can a loving God want to be around you who lies? You know you're a liar. You're probably lying to yourself right now. They're saying you're not a liar. And so you, you say these things and you lie to yourself and you keep going at that. And how can God want to be around me? God would not want to be anywhere around you because you're sick and you're, you're sinful. And you know what? You're right. You're right. Why would God want to be around you? Why would a holy and righteous, pure and perfect God, creator of the world, want to be around someone who rejects him daily? Why would a pure and righteous God want to be around someone who sins towards him daily? Why would a pure, righteous, holy God want to be around unclean people like me and you? Now, before you go off and say on Facebook, man, Pastor Felix said something really bad today. He said, God doesn't want nothing to do with me. Let me explain this. Let me show you how the name Emmanuel fixes that for us. The name comes in the scripture of Isaiah 7. Let me set this up for you. Uh, at the time of Isaiah, we talked about this. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know this. At the time of Isaiah, the, the, the time was a dark and kind of depressed time. Um, Israel had joined forces against the will of God with the Assyrians. And the Assyrians were this big, bad army. They were like the up-and-coming army today. And Israel, trying to join forces with them, ended up betraying the will of God. And because they betrayed the will of God, they sinned against God in doing this and then also taking up pagan, pagan uh, reliefs and all that. Because they were doing that, they were rebelling against God. The Assyrians were going to plan to overthrow them and just uh, double-cross them and destroy Israel. And God said at this point he had held his hand of protection over Israel for so long. And eventually, after countless and countless and countless years of just rebellion and going against God, God said, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to hand you over to your flesh if that is what you want. I will restore you eventually, but for right now, you must be punished for your sin. And what happened was the Assyrians overthrew Israel. They conquered them, and they killed him into captivity. See, God, being a just and true God, cannot condone or allow sin. He cannot allow sin to continue as a just God. Every sin comes with a cost. So when we sin in our lives, we have to go and we go against the will of God. There is a consequence for that sin in our lives. Even if we don't believe in God. That's the thing I get all the time. So I don't believe in God. Well, you know what? I don't... If I don't believe in gravity, and if I don't watch my step, gravity is going to bite me and show me that he's real. I don't believe in God. Well, you know what? If I, don't, I can't see the wind, but I, I feel it on my skin. I don't believe in God. Well, I've never seen a million dollars, but I know it exists. I don't believe in God. It's like the craziest thing. God gave you the breath to say that you don't believe in God. Um, <laughs> there was a punishment for the sin that we commit. Even if we don't commit, uh, believe in God, Romans 6, 23, I want you to remember this. It says that the wages of sin is death. So what do we deserve? I say this to my kids when we sin. What do we deserve, kids? Death. 
you know, it's more, but it's true. It's in the Bible. What do we deserve as sinners? We deserve death. And just when we sin, God must punish us. Why? Because he's true and he's just. And you might say, well, I'm not a sinner, Felix. I, I, I'm a good guy. I'm, I'm a good guy. I, I work hard. I give money to my family, and they su- support them. Um, yeah, sure, I might do a little something here and there, but that's between me and myself and me and God. Don't you worry about that. I'm not really a sinner, Felix, but that's, that's not what Romans 3.23 says. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you see, none of us are exempt from that. You see, so you see what's going on? There's a chasm going on. God is ever so perfect and, and awesome and righteous, and we are his creation. And as we are created, as we continue to live our lives, we continue to sin against him, and we're pushing ourselves further away from God. And there's a void that keeps happening. There's something that's starting to, to come in between us. And you see, we're just like Israel at the time. And eventually Israel was overthrown. They needed a savior, and so do we. Isaiah gives us this word of hope, though, in chapter 7. You see, Isaiah was this prophet that came to town saying, Hey, guys, it's bad. It's really bad. You guys are, man, we're all messed up. And guess what? God's wrath is coming. His cup of patience has run over, and it's time for, you know, him to just kind of clean up shop. And that's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. But guess what? It's going to be okay because I'm going to give you some hope here. And he tells us this in chapter 7, verse 14. He says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel literally means God with us. You get that? God is now here, God with us. God with us. It was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. The fact that because Jesus was born... It meant that God was now here with us. Get that God is now here. And Scripture says that he came to this earth. Scripture says that for God so loved the world, for God so loved you and me, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's great news for you and me. That's the best news of the world right there, that God would send his son to earth to be sacrificed for us because it means that we don't have we have a way to become right with God we don't have to worry about the punishment of sin because Jesus took that punishment and even though there was punishment to be paid we don't have to pay it now this year I've seen a lot of great gifts for Christmas I've seen a lot of good gifts um, uh, droids are real popular now you know what droids are not your phone but that the little, they're like remote control flying cars. They just kind of go everywhere. A lot of people get in trouble with them because they put cameras on them and they go like into windows and stuff. So those are real popular this year. Droids are real popular. Um, iPhone 6 is real popular. Order 6 Plus if you got big old hands. Um, you know, you got, you got to carry it in a suitcase. Um, tablets, just pick a tablet. Galaxy tablet, the Note, whatever it is. I, you know, MacBook Pro, whatever. Those are all t- popular. Uh, Ninja Turtle stuff making a comeback. I know my son got some Ninja Turtle stuff last night, and um, just I mean, Ninja Turtle stuff is making a comeback, right? So all these things, I mean, some people like buying jewelry for Christmas. 
Some people like jewelry snobs. They go buy like the $1,400 ring and they give it to you. Uh, some people like buying perfumes and, and colognes. And that's kind of what they, it's like, it, that's always a weird thing. It's like, he's trying to say something about me. Um, some people like sports teams go Cowboys, division champs. You know, like, yes, thank you. And, and so, so many people like different things. And there's so many great gifts. But listen, all of those gifts pale in comparison to what God gave us 2,000 plus years ago. Remember what I said in Romans 6? You remember that scripture? It said, for the wages of sin is death. And that's bad news for us, amen? Because we all know we're sinners. We all know there's something that we do. And even if we are saved by grace and we have the grace of God in our our life, that is amazing. We're, We're good. But there is something that we still struggle with. Every one of you, I know it because I struggle with things. That's bad news for the rage of sin is death, but the scripture doesn't just end there. Like if the scripture ended there, that would just be terrible. The scripture continues and it says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, what a gift, right? The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's something we can use. A gift that is going to last forever. He's the everlasting Father. A gift that is strong and powerful. He's the mighty God. A gift that knows, what, that knows a lot more than a tablet. That is the wise counselor. The, the gift that is going to bring us just hope and joy and peace. True hope and joy and peace. That is the Prince of Peace. That is Emmanuel. God with us. Emmanuel means that God sent himself as Jesus Christ to earth to rescue us from sin so that we can live a life with him, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I could tell you the story of Christmas, and I could do the cliche thing where I open up the Bible and I read you about how the teenage mother got pregnant. And she was, you know, 14, 15 years old and had the Son of God and all that. And then how that son of God, how that little boy grew up, and he had a couple of crazy times when he was about 13 years old, and then he went from, like, 13 going to 30, like that movie, you know, with Jennifer Gardner. He went from 13, the next time you see him, is 30 years old, and he's starting a ministry, and he's going off, and he's, like, healing people. He's raising the dead. And he's doing all these great things. And I can tell you how that, that, that perfect child never did anything wrong in his life. He was the most perfect person in the history of the world. And I can tell you how that person was betrayed by a kiss. And I can tell you how that person was led to the cross and crucified for you and me. I figured I'd just show you this video instead. And then we'll worship one last time. We'll be done for the day. Y'all watch this. There's been a lot of great journeys in life. Um, A while ago, there was a a woman who decided to fly around the world. She ended up making it. Y'all heard of that story? She flew around the world, and she was flying from, like, Washington to Mexico City, back to New York and all over that was a great journey. It's great journeys in life where people will cross continents on foot. Great stories about survivors who, you know, run out of concentration camps and they, they have a journey across the Pacific Ocean. Great journeys are all over. There was one journey that was the best journey of the world. The one journey that, was, that just overcame every other journey and meant the most to the world. And that journey was the journey from the cradle to the cross. There was a little boy who was born in Bethlehem. He grew up to be a man, 
perfect and sinless. He went to the cross. He was crucified for me and you for no other reason other than the fact that he loved us. He didn't have to die. For, he, he didn't have to do that. I think that's what gets me every Christmas is the fact that God would remove his, his glory, remove his, his, all of that, remove his righteousness and submit himself to humility as a young infant helpless, dependent on people around him to care for him. What kind of a God that removes everything to where he is dependent on people to care for him? Just so that he can take the journey from the cradle all the way to the cross into the cave and ascend into heaven. It's a beautiful story. It's the gospel. And maybe you've never maybe you've never experienced the gospel. Maybe you've never really experienced Christ in your life. Maybe you're just kind of laughing at this right now. You think, oh man, this, this, this guy's crazy. But you know what? God loves you. And God's here right now in this room. And there are some of us here today that need to know that. They need to be comforted. This whole season is about God. This whole season is about Jesus. It's not about anything else. I pray that your eyes will be open to that this this afternoon. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for your son. That you would willingly throw your son into a life that was going to end in death. Just so that we may live with you. God, no matter what comes our way, no matter what type of sin is in our lives, may you just purge that from us. May we accept you as Lord and Savior. God, may you pierce our hearts today. God, may you infect us with your grace. And may you just grow in our hearts this season and forever. God, we love you, and we praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand to worship.